Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is onto the cinemas. Ice House is blaring on the stereo. It's humid and dangerous and a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course, is my dad. Loose Units, the podcast, was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on the force back in the early 80s. So this season, Dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980, and each week we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book, and Dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling, revelatory, and as always, very, very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins. Every week I sit down with my dad, John, and we talk about the cases he was involved in back in the 1980s as a cop. This week we are looking at Chapter 12 from my book about Dad, called Loose Units, and Chapter 12 is called Fancy a Pint. Now, Dad, we really need to address the elephant in the room this chapter starts with you describing hamburger cream and during the writing process i gave you a fair bit of stick for this but for listeners could you please explain what you like what is hamburger cream well if ever you've had a um hamburger thank you for leaning on the first syllable there by the way hamburger well if you've ever had one yeah and i'm sure most listeners have be they meat or vegetarian be they when you sometimes squeeze the hamburger, juices come out. Now, those juices uh-huh. can come from various components within the said burger. Yep. For example, if the patty hasn't been cooked that well, perhaps a bit of blood will come out. Uh-huh. Or beetroot, yep. some beetroot juice. Yep. But mayonnaise is also something that is akin to a certain bodily fluid that we all know what that is. And on this fateful day... When I squeezed my hamburger, inadvertently, might I add, and I was trying to impress some people at the station. How were you trying to impress them? Well, I was kind of... Your grip strength on a hamburger? Was that that your display? No, no, no. I just... I I, I fancied uh, Christine, even though I don't think she'd ever noticed me, um, because I was just this probationary weed in my ill-fitting uniform. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was definitely winter. And we'd brought some uh, burgers back from a company I'm not prepared to mention. Yep. Uh, and we were, we were sort of in the mess room and I squeezed my burger gently, maybe not so gently. But you know how you give it a bit of a squeeze 
before you insert it into your mouth. You mean to make sure that it's all sort of in one place? Correct, because you, so you, you don't want you the patty just, flying out. Yeah, yeah, you were securing the... Yeah, um, the, the, the ingredients. Yep. Because there's nothing worse than biting down on a burger and the meat slides away from you. I mean, the phrase hamburger cream is definitely worse than that, but continue, please. Mm. Now, we used to wear ties in those days, mm-hmm. and we had those those clip-on ties. Yeah. Not not a proper tie in oh, so far as... You got clip-ons. Yeah. Do you know why we had clip-on ties? Uh, why? So we couldn't be strangled in a, in a brawl. Right. And that makes very good sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess. Can you imagine... Well, re- you recall when I went to high school, uh, muck-up day, they used to get... Or like like an initiation for the kids in first form, they would sometimes tie them by their neck using their necktie to the goalposts, no. and they'd have them standing on a bin, and they'd kick the bin, and you'd either hang ghastly and just die. But what generally would happen is um, the tie would break. Sorry, what you're describing is um, is a lynching. Uh, yeah. Yep. So they would take students, tie them to the goalposts by their necks and then kick out the stand. Correct. Did anyone ever get really badly hurt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was quite a common occurrence. Um, But that's in the very early 1970s. And the school that I went to where this event occurred Uh was Beacon Hill High School, uh, which has since been demolished, which in light of this story is probably a good thing. But there were some really, really... I mean, I know, Paul, we're not talking about bullying in high school on this Mm. particular episode, Mm. but... Some of the things that went on. I mean, it was common to have you held your your, to- your head held down the toilet, and they'd flush the chain. That that's common. That was that was one of the classic um, things that happened in my day, early seventies. Find it interesting that you know physical violence against people is also kind of a through line in this chapter. It is because um, this chapter is ostensibly about a pub brawl. Um, which you were called to, mm. and this was kind of the beginning of your time with Ant-Man. Um, and the call here is, I'm just going to read from the book here. John was noticing a pattern. With the exception of Dunn, older cops were, for the most part, weary and flawed. He had assumed he'd be awash in positive role models, father figures who could guide him over the sea of justice on some gorgeous metaphorical schooner. Instead, He found himself tethered to a desiccated barge with a slew of passed-out deckhands who knew where the boat was going, sure, but who seemed pretty determined to take their time getting there. And as John was trying to think of more boating metaphors to succinctly sum up his state of crisis, the radio flared to life. Pub brawl. North Sydney. Hundreds involved. Urgent. Over. This is 6-2 responding. We're close by. Send backup. Over. Woodstock had snatched the radio up with lightning speed, and for a few glorious seconds, life surged through him. He turned to John and said something no cop would ever say to him again throughout his entire career. Hit it. John wasn't absolutely certain what it was, but he assumed Woodstock meant the accelerator, so hit it he did. And at that point, you and Woodstock went to the pub. Now, can you kind of walk myself and the listeners through what it's like arriving at a pub brawl? Okay, well... um. One of the things that we generally did back in the uh, in the 1980s in general duties going to a pub brawl, of which there were numerous because we mm. had about 10 pubs in our um, patrol area, um, you would never use your siren and you would turn the, the blue light off um, probably about half a kilometre. 
So it's, it's a very fine line when you're doing an urgent duty run, which means you're going hell for leather, foot flat to the floor. Um, because with brawls, this particular brawl, we had numerous calls. We had numerous calls from citizens, neighbours, and also, more Im- not more importantly, but very importantly, we actually had a call from the publican. Now, when the publican calls the police, you know that it's, it's fair income. Now, why is that? Because a publican would have a pretty high tolerance for Definitely. for Spot fights. On. Yep. Because I, you know, I mean, I and I assume many people have been to pubs. I've never actually seen a pub brawl, so I don't know kind of how they begin. How do these things begin? Well, back in the nineteen seventies and eighties, a lot of pubs had pool tables, snooker tables, billiard tables. Call them what you like, and. Um, at the DY Hotel, um, which was a pretty rough hotel back in the day, mm. there was a murder there one day at a pub brawl. Oh, Jesus. Where someone just beat the shit out of someone with a pool cue. Um, and the the thick end of a pool cue is, um, and if you're sort of swinging that around, if you get, if you get hit in the face or the head or the skull yeah. with a pool cue at full bore... Uh, it's going to do some serious damage. And sometimes in brawls, they would actually split the uh, the pool cue. Yeah. They'd, they'd split it over their knee. So they had basically half pool cue um, with really, really jagged splinters and they would drive that into you. Now, they could drive that into your gut or they could just do what a lot of people used to do back then is that drive it into your face and you've, you've heard the term glassing, yes. where someone just picks up a glass at the counter. Mm. They are holding the bottom of it. They crack it on the bar. And you know how sharp glass is, Paul. It's really, really sharp. Can you imagine having that jagged half schooner or pint shoved directly into your face? And that's glassing. And I've been to a lot of those where people lose eyes, uh, it, look, it's imagine being glassed, but not once. Maybe they remove the glass and they jam it back in. Or How worse, much? they jam it in and twist it. I mean, it's diabolical. And when police rock up at these things, are they rocking up? I assume it, by the time they get there, it's probably been done. Like the damage has probably been done, right? Is that, I mean, well, is that a fair assumption? Yeah, that's the glassing side of things. But that one incident can trigger. Mm-hmm. A, a pub brawl. Now, we've all seen the movies where there's an altercation at the bar or at a table. It starts with two people. And then all of a sudden, let's imagine that there's a lady in the group or even passing by. She might be on her way to the toilet. She inadvertently gets knocked to the floor by someone, perhaps one of the initial two, flying backwards. Then the boyfriend of the girl... And perhaps friends of the girl see her fly to the ground. Their first reaction is probably to beat the shit out of the guy that perhaps as he was flying backwards, perhaps it was an inadvertent um, action that caused this innocent person to then end up on the floor. Right. And then friends of that guy think, hang on a sec, that's an overreaction. And within, I reckon within... 20 to 30 seconds from the initial altercation, you can have a major brawl. And then what happens is, and can happen, 
yeah. is that people start using anything they can get their hands on because they realise that fists are not perhaps the most effective weapon. And in a prime, primeval, primordial sort of base instinct where the adrenaline is pumping to the max, there's alcohol involved, possibly alcohol and drugs, you then can and often do reach for a chair. Mm-hmm. And some of these chairs and stools are metal. And you don't sort of say to yourself as you're about to technically beat the fuck out of someone, you don't think, oh, look, I'm going to walk around so they can see me, so it's a fair match, so they can perhaps put an arm up and shield the blow from this stool coming down on them, which, in, which, by the way, will smash their arm to smithereens. But what happens is you don't think about that and you take them out from behind them and you clock them over the back of the head. Now, can you imagine, Paul, being hit over the back of the head with an iron stool at full bore? That could kill you, though, right? Well, it, no, it, mate, it does kill you. It'll, it'll at least smash the skull surrounding your brain. And we all know with the brain that it's so tightly sort of constrained within the skull that anything that tries to get into the brain will basically and often does drive the, um, the actual brain tissue out. It has to escape. Or you'll have the most terrible, um, clotting, you know, this incredible, um, sort of, bloody mess within and you're talking brain damage and then often in um, serious brawls when someone's on the ground what do you think happens then I'm i mean assuming it, they get kicked while they're down correct they, yeah. they get stomped on and uh if it's a particularly horrific violent brawl which they can be with both sexes might i add i've been to brawls where the women have really gone hard and uh, and they can be very scary as well mm. um and then sometimes when someone's on the ground in the fetal position trying to protect, uh, again, it's a, it's a base instinct to protect your face and head. That's why when people are on the ground, they generally tend to curl up into a tiny ball like the fetal position because they are instinctively trying to protect their head. Yes. And then some arseholes will then, and some of these people might be wearing boots for, for God's sake, and they will simply drive with the full intensity of their of their legs, they will stomp on their heads. Now, the head's only so strong. And they will also kick their faces, their nose, their eyes. One of the most common injuries in these brawls are are busted cheekbones. I mean, their teeth come out. Look, and and the police, they're they're, there. And the publicans watching this going, fuck, this is really, really heavy. Now, I'm giving an extreme example, but I've been to brawls like this. And and it takes a lot to sort of really to get into this situation where you need to calm it down. And, and it's dangerous for the police because these people are insane. So we, you cut the blue lights, cut the sirens. You don't like to incite the crowd. And also, from a police perspective, you don't like to warn everyone. Otherwise, I mean, you could say, well, that's a good thing that everyone just scampers. But what happens if there's been a major, major, uh, well, a murder? Yeah. You don't. You want some people left to be able to, and they didn't have CC television back then. Yeah, it's all based on eyewitnesses, and you've got to get in there with eyewitnesses, and you've got to separate the eyewitnesses really quickly. Otherwise, you end up with a a blob of a story that has no bearing on any facts because 
you know, the thing about Chinese whispers where people just continually go, oh, but hang on a sec, didn't he have this coloured outfit? And then someone goes, oh, that's right. And then, oh, but weren't they that high? Oh, I thought they were this high. And then by the time the police rock up and you've got this, you start interviewing 50 witnesses, they've all got exactly the same story. Yeah. Because it's so, look, there are so many things involved. So we rock up to this brawl and you could see it was it, it had flooded out onto the street. You said hundreds of people. I mean, is that is that like, that sounds like every patron in the pub that night. Paul, quite often in Sydney back in the day, you would have the pub would be packed to the gunnels and there would right. be a hundred people on the footpath. And this was closing time mm. and the poor publican and the staff often find it really diff- or found it really difficult to, to, to say to everyone, final drinks and we're closing. And some people just, just wanted to hang around. And um, this brawl was on for young and old and it had spilled out onto the street. And by the time we rocked up, I'd only been in the job four weeks. And you know that I was, I weighed 76 kilos. Um, and all our appointments back then, you know, you couldn't see the guns and handcuffs. Yeah. It was all concealed by these ridiculous jackets. And um, we stood across the road and, oh, I almost said his real name. My buddy, um, he and I, he was a very experienced police officer and he was a bit of a thug. But you can tell a lot about a person... I guess, in terms of their reactions to violence. And it sounds like he was pretty keen to get there. And is it fair to say that he was pretty keen to get there because he wanted to punch on a little bit? I mean, oh, definitely. That- yeah, yeah. I, I reckon um, at North Sydney back in the 80s, early 80s, I would say 20% of the police there, the male police, yeah, were basically thugs who really loved to... Uh, to get out there and have a bit of biffo. And this is the perfect way to uh, kind of legitimately. um, But again, Paul, in future chapters, we do talk about some situations, particularly at night time, because you've got the, you know, the, the sort of that darkness, which enables you to do more things than you would during the day. Mm. And, um, you know, the same guy, my buddy, um, you know, there are stories down further in your book that, talk about other incidents where they would just go on the, on the prowl to basically beat people up. And uh, on this particular night, uh, one of the things I learnt about a brawl was uh, that if you could get in there and take out the ringleader, yeah, you could basically, it was like letting the air out of a balloon. And in this and case, was, the ringleader was, well, how would you describe the ringleader? Well, he looked- and also just quickly, how do you find the ringleader? I mean, I, I assume they're not sitting there with a flag, kind of rallying people. How do you find the kind of like the 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 spark that lit yeah the okay the well you can hear them yeah um it's always a core group mm. and uh, they're generally on the inside of the of the Malay and um this guy was was massive. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He had a big red beard. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he was just a, a massive guy and that, and that was pretty scary because you look over and you think, shit, we've actually got to go in there and try and extricate this guy. Mm-hmm. And um, what happens is also a lot of people really wise up to 15 police officers. That's probably how many we had that night. Yeah, because you know the police also liked to get in amongst it. Plus, it was, you know, it was a pretty serious brawl, and they had numerous calls. So it, we brought in a lot of extra police uh, from the other side of the city as well. Because remember that the Rocks Police Station, City Police Stations, were only, in fact, from that particular pub, they police coming from the city would would arrive way sooner than say police from Mossman or Chatswood. Right. So you know it's. It's in their interest. If the police radio VKG feels as though it's a big enough drama, they will combine the channels and then people in the city, the police in the city can be listening in. So instead of having two operators working autonomously, they combine two districts and it just makes it a lot safer for police coming in because we can all listen in case there's a signal one. And we know what that is, don't we? Signal one is officer down? Correct. And not just down, but... If you call a signal one, it's it's serious. Was that it? Is... I mean, were the cops actually in danger at this point, or was it more like, look, theoretically, if we run in there, we could be in danger. So why not use that as an excuse to get more cops in? Are you saying to call a signal one? Yeah, you'd be sacked for that. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's that's. If you call a signal one, they'll have um, they'll have police coming from everywhere, pretty well. Well, and those police that are coming into a signal one are going to risk their lives by driving extra fast. Imagine if they get killed on en route. And they would also bring to the fore, I would say, a kind of 
what's it, retributive? Is that a word? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You're right. Yeah, because if if you've found out that there's an officer down, or you've heard there's an officer down, and you see people brawling, your your lizard brain's going to kick in, and you're going to go, "Well, they took an officer down, therefore I'm going to kind of be punitive." Paul, and, Paul yeah. spot on. I went to a signal one one night yep. at another in another area, completely different area, but we came from we travelled about fifteen k to a signal one, and I can promise you, and I don't know whether I've ever told you this story, but if you were a walking person yeah. within Cooey of that signal one, you were fucked. You were a target. Talk us through it. There was a signal one at a, uh, at a, at a police station. At a police station? Beaches. Yeah. What station? Uh, French's Forest. Okay. And there was a noisy party and the police officer, uh, he took it upon himself to leave the station by himself. Left the left the station unlocked, just walked out with the police radio, and he went to this party that was just yep. across the road, mm-hmm. and um, he was set upon by about twenty people, and they beat the fuck out of him and they threw him in the pool, but just before they smashed his radio, he called a signal one, and I was at Mossman that night. Yep. I remember who I was working with. Who were you working with? Uh, Give an alias if you like. Is it a character in the book? A big guy. Big guy. A really big guy. Is it a character in the book, though? Are they in the Not book? sure, but he okay. was he was he was a he was the type of guy you really wanted to be with when things went bad. And they had gone bad at this point. Really bad. They had basically they could have killed this police officer. What kind of um, what kind of party are we talking? We're talking just rich a normal kids? Sat- look. I don't think that's that. Um, look, it's just the Northern Beaches. I'm I mean, just trying to no. Just, I'm just trying to build a picture of no. I mean, you know, a, a good, a good, a good, um, you know, neighbourhood. But hey, let's 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 look at some of the shit shit jobs I went to in Mossman. I mean, you you again, you talk about that in, in future chapters. Some of those noise noise complaints. They were they were, and they were privileged people. I'm saying some so, of the worst. Some of the some most, of the worst. You know, some, some of the, the most dreadful. Yeah. Terrible, terrible. Where p- people with privilege believe that they are above the law, and I know that sounds a little bit cliched, but. Boy, oh boy! But this particular, Robin, yeah, there's there's a reason Robin Hood is such an enduring story. Dan. Yeah, that's, that's right. What I'll say. So, okay, so on this particular night, yourself and uh, let's call him Mister Big. Well, we don't have to call him that if you want, but yourself and this large officer. Were you the only ones called? Presumably no, it was not. a signal one. So there would have been you, fifty police cars coming in from a from twenty kilometers away. What age were the partiers? Would you say late teens? Late teens. Yeah, a lot of them. Ah, uh, two hundred. Why would 200 teenagers Gate beat crashes. the shit out of a police officer? Because this pol- police officer in his naivety went across to a party and told them to shut up. How Was this like a rookie or... Doesn't matter. I, I, don't, I really don't re- recall, Paul. I never got to meet the police officer because he was taken to hospital in an ambulance. Right. But I remember it was a hot, hot summer's night in Sydney and we just started the night shift, which was 11pm. And now we dro- I drove... This is like at a point in the future, well into the future from where we are in this story today. Mm-hmm. Um, but myself and I was, I was the driver, so I was the junior man. But I could drive, believe you me. And I reckon I got from Mossman to French's Forest in about, oh, maybe eight minutes, which is really, you know, that, that's flying. We would have been averaging... To a signal one on a Saturday night, um, you know, speeds of up to 160 kilometres an hour. 
And the thing is with the Signal 1, we heard that, that Signal 1. We heard that police officer being beaten up. He held onto that radio and he, and he kept the, the mic. Every time he depressed the microphone, we could hear him being beaten up. And it was a continual beating. And it was so, so upsetting. I had so much adrenaline dumped into my bloodstream that I could have powered a small town for a week. It was intense. Now, a factor that all the police officers, they've amalgamated numerous channels that night. They may have... I mean, police were coming in from as far away as Eastwood, Ride, um, right up the northern line, in the city, not to mention detectives, highway patrol. And when we got to that job, they couldn't find the police officer because he hadn't given the address. So we just drove into this street. There were police cars everywhere. And I promise, Paul, for right or wrong, for better or worse, Mm -hmm. if you were young, and this is going to cause all sorts of dramas with our listeners from a moral perspective. However, if you were young that night walking within the vicinity of that party, Mm -hmm. well, let's, let's put it this way. It was not a good place to be. If you were a young person, a teenager, because it was taken, it was a given based on the, the atmosphere, the adrenaline, the trauma of not being able to find this police officer initially, that every young person on the street had been to that party because it's a really, really quiet area, really quiet. So, and I remember I was with my mate and we ran through the grounds of a high school which is just up the road, um, called Forest High. And I remember my, my colleague, you know, coming across some people and he, he dealt with them hard and fast. And, uh, yeah. But what so. does, when, what does, if they're just random teenagers? Well, they're random the teenagers, but they're kind of running away. They kind of, it was fairly obvious, very obvious, that they, these people, had been at this party, a lot of them had thought, oh, shit. Now, that was a classic example, Paul, of where you don't turn your siren off. So the street where that police station is mm-hmm. was full of police cars and I'm saying, poly. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm saying, let's say you've got, let's say you're at a party. Let's say I'm at a party. Let's say I'm 18 years old at a party. Someone gets assaulted. I decide to leave the party. The police... Sweeping the neighborhood, grab me and beat the shit out of me. Mm. That doesn't that doesn't seem like policing to me. That seems well, like something else. Like I revenge. concur with you totally, Paul. However, mm. I'm not justifying. I'm just stating a fact that back in the 80s, policing in Sydney was uh-huh. quite different. Yeah. And my point is that that would have been a very good night mm. not to have been on the street. I, and that's all I can say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's an aside. But back to our a brawl. Um, Just quickly. Yep. Did you... I mean, I don't like the idea of you participating in beating Paul, up kids, I had so. I didn't touch anyone, promise. Okay. I, okay. Mate, I have... I, I, I let a very... Look, I just that was not my bag. Okay. Okay. No, just, I, I think it's I think it's worth asking because sometimes yeah, yeah, I'll. Yeah. No, I yeah. can. I hand on heart, Paul. I never assaulted anyone, and I've never been assaulted ever. Okay. So yeah, that that was my style of policing. I preferred to sort of, you know, I had I had different sort of things on my of agenda. 
because um, you know ha- you know I just no it's not that's not me okay so redhead brawl right mm. now I read the chapter again Paul and I don't know whether you recall but don't you remember that I actually said to you when we all these years ago do you not recall you know how he held onto the tree mm-hmm. which is in the book and he wouldn't let go he jumped up that was his way of of just not coming with us yeah and but what I read this morning when I read it again was that what actually happened, Paul, is that when we started pulling and it was quite farcical, there were people around just laughing because he would not let go of the tree. But we pulled so hard that the tree broke and we dragged him across the road and he was still holding a very large branch. Do you recall that? I do. Right. So we had to then get him to drop the branch. Mm-hmm. And we put him in the back of the paddy wagon and we took him back to the station. And he was the only person that uh, we arrested and charged. Hello? He was, he, so he was the only one who you charged? Just one, yep. What about the other people who may have participated in... I guess at that point, it's sort of hard to pinpoint who did yeah. what, right? Yep, yep, yep. Look, the, publican, the publican's main concern that night was just to, to have a very peaceful closing disperse the crowd. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've always believed as a police officer in most situations, I mean, that terrible story I told about the potential with the, the stools and things, that didn't happen that night. Okay. And, you know, I think that policing, a lot of the time you can achieve greatness by by being a little bit sort of using discretion. And I think that that is how I used to work a lot of the time. Okay. Using my discretion. And um, plus, you saved on a lot of paperwork. Yeah, which is good. All right. Well, so that seems like it worked out pretty well. Yeah, it was a, a good result. But Paul, I just wanted to come back to the hamburger cheese. Yeah, of course. Uh, cream, and that is that when that hamburger cream deposited itself on my tie, uh-huh. I actually looked up and said to Christine, and I didn't know Christine really that well at all, and trying to be sort of funny and smart, I looked at Christine and I said, oh, I wonder what that could be. And she rolled her eyes back and thought to herself, typical, and there's just another, you know, sad, pathetic policeman. And, uh, yeah, so I just thought I'd let you know that that actually, that happened as well. So... But it all worked out pretty well because you married her, so clearly that didn't turn her off too much. No, no, no. But I, I learned a valuable lesson that day that not everybody appreciated my sense of humour. And, sure. and it was sort of, you know, I thought it was funny. No one else did. All right. Which is basically how a lot of my jokes go down. Well, I think listeners would disagree because a lot of people, I mean, okay. You sometimes joke that I've inherited your sense of humour, right? Hmm. You like to joke that I inherited a lot of stuff from you. Yep. A lot of listeners have pointed out the fact that quite routinely you will just run past jokes that I've made and only later on do people notice. Um, do you think we're that... St- I mean, do you think we are similar as people? Because Tegan is convinced that I get most of my kind of uh, personality and DNA from you as opposed to mum. Do you think I'm more like you or mum? You are definitely more like me. In what respect? Definitely. And of the three children... Mm-hmm. And it's slightly weird talking about this uh, on air, but I would say mm-hmm. that 
the person in the family <clears throat> most like Christine yeah. is Mark. Really? Yep. Based on what? Um, well, Mark's a man of few words. Um, you and I are not, and Anne is certainly not. So, But look, in fairness, it's not fair. You know, with my mum, mm-hmm. all the great attributes that I have, my mother, in front of my dad, would always apportion all the good attributes, all the good genes, all the talent to her side of the family. And my poor dad one day just said, and he used to say it actually fairly often, oh, Margaret, well, what about my family? Now, in fairness, I'm, it's not 50-50, and I don't think it ever is. Mm-hmm. But it's also got a lot to do with position in family. You know, there are many, many things. But, Paul, you have, you have, you've got a fine mind and you've got a brilliant sense of humour. Now, people might think, shit, hang on a sec, you're, I'm just saying that mirroring... But you do. You're you're smart and quick and clever, and we all have different attributes and genes. But they might not necessarily come from the parents. They could come from previous generations. So it's very interesting. Well, some of it could be learned. You know, I mean, I, I definitely got some stuff from grandma. Um, oh, definitely. Because she, you know, there was a point at school where I was kind of functionally illiterate in year one, and she basically, because she was a teacher at the school I was at, and she would just take me after school and sort of teach me to learn to read basically yeah, i mean exactly you know and i you know yeah yeah look you you, you all look mate you're you yeah i just i you know watching you you're you know it's just wonderful and i can't wait to start hopefully sometime in the future our live shows i really miss the live shows i mean it's yeah i miss the live shows very much hopefully we can start doing it soon but okay dad so it's my birthday on january the 15th you knew that right no God damn no, it. I've got so many kids, I just can't recall whose dates and what's whatever. But you've got, if you Dad, say you've, it's your birthday, then I believe you. You've got three kids. It's really not that hard to keep track. No, but it's, it's, it's a pretty frenetic world we live in. It is. And look, the, the, what I'm trying to say, Dad, is that on January 15th, something very big is happening apart from my birthday, okay? My single biggest influence as an author is Stephen King. So it seems kind of super appropriate and timely that we've actually teamed up with Amazon Prime Video to tell listeners about The Stand. Now, The Stand is a, what I would describe as like an epic new series on Amazon Prime Video, and it launches on my birthday, and it's an adaptation of Stephen King's 1978 novel. And the folks who made it, shot us the first few episodes to whet our appetites. Now, Dad, without spoiling too much, how would you sum up your viewing experience? Did you enjoy The Stand? Paul, when you yep. say wet, I feel as though I've just climbed out of the ocean. I am right. wet with enthusiasm and terror. And when I found out that yep. you and I were going to be given a an, an incredible opportunity to watch something before most people on this planet... Mm. I was beside myself with joy and excitement and a tinge of horror. So, Dad, if I asked you what your favourite thing about the show is, uh, what would you have to say your favourite thing about the stand is? Well, Paul, Harold, played by Owen Teague, Ah, I actually hated him (laughs) within the first 30 seconds. The character, just to be clear. I hated the character. And if Mm. you can hate a character viscerally, where you actually want him to to die, it's, it's... They've achieved greatness yeah, in the I writing. Agree. And, and, and choosing the characters, what an incredible job they've done. Yeah, you the get, you, look, mm. I actually came to detest this guy, 
which is which means that's a 10 out of 10 in terms of what they've achieved to do and his role within this series is quite frankly demonic yeah and i love good versus evil and i hope i really pray that good prevails oh, because you haven't you don't know how it ends because you've not read the book so no i haven't read the book you're going in completely cold. Paul, who was your favourite actor in this show? Well, I'm quite a big fan of uh, James Marsden. He played Cyclops in the X-Men films and he kind of plays, I guess you would call it, he's not the lead, but he plays a guy called Stu Redman who is a sort of ex-military guy who gets swept up in this whole thing. And I don't think it's a spoiler to say that the show seems to follow people who are sort of immune to this virus that is sweeping uh, through the story. Mm. And he plays Stu Redman, who is at this gas station when something extremely bad happens. I just love James Marsden, okay? Because he was in the recent Sonic the Hedgehog film, and I was waiting for him to make a really dark, dramatic turn. And it's so good to see him sort of bouncing around in this kind of a big-budget adaptation of a mm. Stephen King mm. story. I mean, and, pa- and Paul, the acting is first-rate. Isn't it? But uh, it, it's gripping. Mm-hmm. It's. I love the way they go back and forth in time. Yeah, and it's one of those um, series you really need to follow it very, very closely and concentrate and become immersed in it because it goes to some very, very dark places, like our podcast, Paul. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you mentioned good versus evil before, and the stand actually follows the battle like the literal battle between good versus evil between the dark man and between mother abigail and mother abigail is played in the stand by whoopi goldberg um i'm a very big fan of star trek the next generation so it was great to see guinan kind of wandering around a cornfield and then alexander skarsgård plays the dark man so i guess i have to ask dad in a post-apocalyptic good versus evil situation which side would you take? I would take the winning side. <laughs> Be it good or evil, I'm okay. going with a winner. Now, okay. Paul, I'd, I'd like to also discuss the mm. the bad guy. Yeah. It, yeah. Let's suppose he is bad. Mm-hmm. He's so charismatic. Yeah. He's beguiling. He's They've really nailed it. Yeah. Those, those shots of his eyes and his demeanor. I mean, if I was to come back as someone really cool, I think I'd come back as him. Okay, that's that's uh, that's really upsetting for me to know that you would you would kind of put you know aesthetics over morals. But I mean, I, I'm really excited to see where this series goes, and I'm I'm really excited to hear what our listeners think of the stand. It's out on January 15 on Amazon Prime Video, and there's new episodes coming out every week. So make sure you watch the stand on January 15. New episodes dropping weekly over on Amazon Prime Video. I mean, I think that's all the time we have for today's episode, but God, it's been a fun one. It's been so interesting hearing. One of the things that I like about Loose Unit's Origins is that we start episodes talking about chapters in the book. And what I wanted was for, sto- was for you know, these, these sessions to kind of bring out stories that we hadn't heard before that are kind of behind the scenes stories. And that Officer Down story was definitely one of those. So I'm really happy that we kind of got to the bottom of that. And, um, Thank you for sharing. Uh, well, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units Origins. Make sure you take care of each other. We will see you at the end of the week for Loose Units Loose Ends. And yeah, we'll see you then. Bye, everyone. Cheerio. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.